Everyone, it's Papa's Basement. I'm your host, John Papa Giorgio. Today, I've got Eva Crickson. Uh, no Michael. No Michael. He left an upper decker in my toilet. <laughs> no Michael Johnson this episode. And we've got uh, my good buddy, Howard Flood. I'm back. Yeah, Yay! Just going by his stage name. His Thank ridiculous you. stage name. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of being affiliated with your, your racist show that deserves to be canceled. And yet, your your first name was Howard Enward. So, <laughs> uh, today it's a bit of a, a focused episode. I don't know when we started talking a couple weeks ago, all three of us, but it, it came up. We'd all watched Space Force. Yes. And so I really wanted to just talk Space Force, like a review of the that new Steve Carell show on Netflix, and then somewhere along the line. Uh, Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga, I believe that's oh. the, the full title. Yes. yes. The, the new Will Ferrell film came out on Netflix as well. So I figure we'll just bullshit a little bit about Space Force. Then we'll kind of give our reviews on Fire Saga. And then uh, we're recording this July 5th. So I think Howard brought up he had some July 4th talk. But outside of that, I really just wanted to do the reviews this time around. So can yes. you at least play the the... The sample of my kids singing the uh, the hit song from Fire Saga before we dive into Space Forest. Cause I think that's what they really. That's what they're all here for. Uh, let me see if I can play it through. Hold on, I'm gonna boot up. <laughs> when I feel your gentle touch, just boot it up, and then we'll and do it when we get there. Going but... our way. We're gonna I get there. Hide it. Don't don't give it away. We're gonna do that later. Yeah. Okay. So just have it ready, John. We should talk about space sports first if it's not queued up. That's all. Okay. I'm trying to God damn it. It's not showing in the I'm just seeing a link to cell therapy by Goody Mob that I sent you a couple days ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh so let's we're we're talking space force first then. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So Space Force is the latest from uh, starring Steve Carell. It's the latest from Greg Daniels, who's mm-hmm. known as not only the co-creator of Parks and Rec and of King of the Hill, one of my personal favorites, but like right. the guy that brought The Office to America. Like he's the one that did everything. He was the showrunner and he was the executive producer. Right. And so, you know, uh, the... Obviously, people's anticipation was incredibly high for this because the the whole Michael Scott role for Steve Carell was kind of a, a career maker. It was and, a game changer, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, it was it was off the back of that that he got even Forty Year Old, right? Like Forty Year Old was season one or two. I think that he filmed Forty Year Old in between season one and two. Okay, or maybe I, before it came out, and then it came out after season one i i'm I'm not not loving this revisionist history just because i know steve carell from the daily show and Ah. i do not like uh the office just period get off i don't acknowledge that part of steve carell's career so this introduction bothers me already oh Oh, really oh yeah no the office is such a big part of my life Oh, it's just, it's post-traumatic stress disorder for me, where I'm just like, I hate my coworkers in every office I've been. Anybody who tries to be funny, I'm like, shut up. I need to leave this meeting pronto. You guys watch too much of that sitcom. I fucking hate TV. This is terrible. Steve Carell is ruining my life on purpose. If I associate him with this show, I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist. That's how I feel about that show. 
I don't know oh. how I feel about you reviewing this now. Because <laughs> I love Space Force. No, it's fantastic, man. I love that show. I honestly really, really enjoyed it. So, um, I he's he's way different in it. Um, he, I know, John, you had trouble with it. Well, I wanted to start these reviews by going over the bad. Like we round, we round robin okay. the okay. bad, and I have a couple of things in the bad category, and even I my some good, bad. a bunch of backhanded compliments, really. Right. So, <laughs> I'll say this first of all for Space Force having. <laughs> I watched about five episodes, not knowing what to expect. It was, it was, <clears throat> I don't want to say critically panned, but maligned maybe is the word. Like, yes, it, I think it's currently 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, something, you know, so Ooh. you're not talking something that got a lot of love. And even critics that I, I respect the opinion of, this wasn't some sort of internet mob thing. A lot of people just felt it did not find its footing. And honestly, I fall in that camp as well, where it's just, it's Greg Daniels, it's Steve Carell, I'm coming for a comedy, and, and it's going to be a heartfelt comedy, if you will, you know, I'm, I'm completely okay with the Jim and Pam shit type right. stuff, mm-hmm. so I'm not looking for this to be like, you know, ouch my balls 24-7, fucking, what are you, are you just bashing a stapler, Howard, what the fuck's going Sorry, on? Sorry, I'm, my bad, like, I'm, I'm adjusting to this, I'm trying to, like, pull up some uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I don't believe you about that, but you're right, it's 39%, holy, Boom. holy cow. Yes, look at my, my autism powers striking no, Autism powers <laughs> with an Adderall dusting on top, you're not Fuck <laughs> critics, average audience score 76%. Well, I think a lot of people right now would watch paint dry because it's quarantine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you could be like, hey, you know, that, that midnight black, it looks like Corel if you squint real hard, and... <laughs> So I, I guess my first complaint, it just felt very light on laughs. The stuff that it's not even that it went for laughs all that often and fell flat. It didn't seem to want to go for laughs, but conversely, didn't seem to want to go for all that much dramatic tension either. I, mm-hmm. So I was left wondering what the fuck the show wanted to accomplish exactly. Um, yeah, I, I actually sort of agree with you on that. Uh, it wasn't, and again, like I can't, I, I have trouble not comparing it to the office. I thought it was going to be, if it wasn't, um, like laugh out loud funny, I thought it was going to be at least cringy funny. And it sort of wasn't either. It was sort of really adorable laughs and very heartfelt. I mean, that being said, I really, really liked it. Um, and that might be because of the cast. Actually, it is because of the cast. I know that. I mean, hands down. So starting with the cast uh, discussion, I'm going to say that the show is made by the straight man of John Malkovich to Steve Carell. It's just so I've good. never seen John Malkovich do a sitcom. And I, this is everything I would want from him in a, a straight man role. It's yeah. I mean, it's just except like he's gay. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah, <laughs> but no, like it. It gets me half up thinking about John Malkovich in this role. It's just I. I think that interaction makes the show worthy of season two. Um, for whatever other criticisms people have, it's just we don't get John Malkovich in sitcoms, and I can't think of another comedic actor who could kind of play off in the way that they they play off each other. So. I think it's worth season two. I mean, I, 
Yeah, to the extent I've read criticisms that pissed me off, it was mostly, like, people who thought they should have made this just a show to, like, hate on Trump the whole time. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, Space Force was a ridiculous idea that we all laughed at that obviously deserved a satire made about it. But I think this is the kind of show they want people to watch 30 years from now. And I think 30 years from now, people are going to be tired of hearing about how woke we thought we were in 2020 because... (laughs) <laughs> By then, they're going to look at us like we were slave owners, you know? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Just, just like slack, slack-jawed yokels. <laughs> I, like, just completely. <laughs> I, weirdly enough, despite all my leanings, I, I don't give two shits about Space Force itself being satirized by this. It's the same way some critics would bring up very often when talking about King of the Hill, like, the conservative Hill family. I'm like, it fucking, it barely comes up. He mentions he voted for Reagan a couple times. You know what I mean? It's not. Which is funny. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's done in a funny way. So to walk away from King of the Hill, like clenching your teeth, like, oh, this humanized conservatives, man, you're fucking shut, yeah, shut, shut up. Shut and up. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love, yeah, Malkovich was stellar. And I had just started watching it after coming off watching Bird Box with my boyfriend because he had never seen it. And then we started <laughs> Space Force. We watched it when it first came out. Like, because I was... I'm, Is that like I'm, a hipster thing? You watched no, it before I, us? No, no, no. Just because, <laughs> like, I'm obsessed with The Office. You, I mean, John, you know that. I quote it daily. It's, like, such a big part of my life. Yeah. Um, and, I'm sorry to have shitted on like your would, favorite show. Oh, but it's fine. It's it just... not. It is not my favorite show. Simpsons will always. Simpsons classic will always be my favorite show. But The Office is definitely a close second. Very close second. Um, but I just I loved the cast, and like seeing John Malkovich, like Howard said, like playing this role, and then you find out he's gay, and it's so like he's just perfect. And I loved Jimmy O Yang. Um, playing playing the uh scientist like he was so funny and my favorite part like just internal with me was when I was looking at him and I was like what do I remember this guy from he was in an episode one of my favorite episodes of it's always sunny flowers for charlie where they give charlie like oh. fa- fake pills to oh, make yeah, him yeah. The, the to make for Algernon him or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's the flowers for Algernon, and he plays <laughs> he plays the like the scientist that's giving him these placebos, and they're like talking in Chinese, and like it's revealed <laughs> it's revealed that Charlie is just like completely making it all up, and he like he's <laughs> like. And he's the one that does the big reveal. Like, well, he's also in Silicon Valley. He plays the role of Jin Yang. Oh, I don't know that show. Yeah, <laughs> I I have tried on that show. Um, he is a good part of that show, but I don't love anything about that show. I don't hate it, but it never jumped out at me as like, oh yeah, this is this is goat must see TV or whatever. I just he plays that role with a really thick Chinese accent, and now if this is like his actual voice, I feel a little weird about that. It's like when you would see. Uh, the dude who played Kumar being forced to talk in a really thick Indian accent <laughs> for roles <laughs> like opposite Van Wilder and shit. You're like, like this yeah. is just wrong. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, that dude was just born in East Orange. This is not right. Like, yeah. So to go about like one of the best things about this show was Jimmy O Yang. Like, yeah, they straight up brought it with not just him, but they went B Wham. Like that's one of the 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 things they talk about in the show of just like black woman 
Asian, Asian man, man. Yeah. as, a, as a, a setup for season two, because he starts dating one of the astronauts who's African-American. And so it's kind of dope. It's, uh, it's something I didn't know about, which is ironic because I'm half Asian, but I was just like, <laughs> what the hell is BWAM? What is this thing? I didn't know about it either. I didn't know the just, acronym, but that statistic that the least common interracial pairing in this country is Asian dudes and black females. I knew from like some sort of show on like VH1 or some shit years ago. But like the highest rate of happiness, I think, is what I don't know if that's true or not, but it just makes sense. Like, as he points out his character, like if you're going to go that route and it, it works, you're probably going to be really goddamn happy because like for the most part, everyone around you laughs at you. Both cultures revere pork. Bwim. They are. Um, I did read an article about um, marriage, and black women and Asian men are quickly becoming the least likely in America to get married. So maybe Bwim is, you know, the inevitable. Maybe they they need to. Uh, more people need to consider this. <laughs> yeah. No. It was. It was kind of eye opening. Like reading up did you look at this after watching the show i watched like, the what porn about? <laughs> <laughs> no it was just an article that came up and i was like oh it's just like on space force <laughs> yeah okay it was an article that like popped up on my news feed and i read it and i was like oh that's that's like hella sad but interesting and then it reminded me of the two characters on space force bwam um right, I, I found a vice article talking about being an asian dude who started hanging out with other Asian dudes dating black chicks in New York. Oh. And he was just talking about, in general, from his perspective of how hard it is being an Asian dude, mm-hmm. dating, period, in the U.S. Really? I mean, that's what the article was about. Black well, yeah, women and Asian men, it's really like, hard. Yeah, the Asian dudes can do all right with Asian women, and outside of that, it's, they kind of get a shit rap. Yeah, it's I the, mean, it's the small Wang stereotype. So, I mean, <laughs> well, there's that, but then like the stat that this guy threw out, which I gotta like kind of push back on, was they have uh, giant balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was just saying like in surveys, ninety three percent of women in America say that they wouldn't date a half Asian or an Asian guy. Really? And the reason I, I push back on that is I'm just like, out of context on a survey. You're not asking women how tall that dude is because I'm six two. Yeah, you're and I'm just like (laughs) most women who read that survey and they see like Asian or half Asian, they're just like, Oh, is he John Papa Georgia's height? Then no. (laughs) And relative girth. (laughs) Then no, absolutely. Show him a picture of Dean Kane and be like, Dean Kane before the wacko political shit. Okay, cool. I mean, I have two Filipino cousins, uh, men, and they're both married to white girls. How much did they pay? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I guess like the hard part, because I looked into this again, I was just like, how much, it, like, it's so hard to separate dating discrimination based on race. Because we're in this woke time where everybody's like, oh, man, like people are so racist today. And then there's that part of me. It's like, are women racist or are they mostly just Heightist. like they have to date a guy of a certain height? Because looking at like different races of American men. Like, white dudes and black dudes tend to be taller. Right. And so if there's a disproportionate number of, like, Hispanic and Asian guys feeling left out, does that relate at all to, like, average height? I, I, it's probably a height thing. So, I, I, I never even thought about it that way. 
I, but that's why I was reading it, and I was like, I've I've not had the experience of ninety three percent of women look at me and laugh. I know because you're so tall. And no, it's just it's and gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told John he should title this episode like "Check Your Height Privilege." <laughs> that's kind of the moment we're in right now, where it's just like, it's it's sometimes a revelation to be like, oh. I mean, what is it like to date women when you're not six feet tall? Please tell me, John. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make a play on Romeo Must Die, titled Romeo Must Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can say is it's good to be black on the moon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's the other negative I wanted to throw out there. The the cast, for whatever reason, uh, I felt a lot of these guys were really famous which again odd for greg daniels he seems to mostly enjoy no namers mm. like the the vocal cast of king of the hill was supposed to have like robert patrick the the t-1000 from terminator 2 and oh, that yeah. was that was like the biggest cast get he was supposed to play dale gribble originally which is why <laughs> gribble he looks, looks like him that's why <laughs> and uh other than that you're talking what steven root and uh, Mike Judge himself, and Catherine right. Najimy, you know, and similarly with uh, The Office, it was really unknowns with Carell being the biggest name of the bunch. Mm-hmm. This one, we had Patrick Warburton, Jane Lynch, Lisa Kudrow, Fred Willard, who playing like a guy who was about to die, given uh, he just died. broke fucking, my heart. Yeah, was not fun. They needed to, like, CGI his face out of that shit. I don't know who I you know. put over it, but who would you put over it though? I mean, you can't. <laughs> Fred Willard's such a such a legend. I mean, maybe Telly Savalas. Like <laughs> someone's been dead for a while, so I'm okay with it. Wow. Maybe Zero Mustel. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I mean, I, this might be a good time to start segueing into um, talking about Fire Saga because to me, like. Netflix just has f u money. It's yeah. ridiculous. Oh my where God. it's just like, when did hey, they no, get all this money? Oh, like the stock market. Like, don't get me started on how ridiculous, like how they got that money. But they just they throw money at projects and they continually go in debt because they're just like, you don't need to rely on no named actors. What we really want is people to guarantee they're going to watch it because Lisa Kudrow shows up like in three episodes for two minutes each time. I was so mad. We don't find out why she's in jail. That was one yeah, of the that things that I was pissed the, about. The big thing of her character is she was married and she still is married to Steve Carell. Uh, then they are transported for the Space Force job to Colorado a year, la- a year removed from our introduction to them in D.C. And in that time, somehow she's already serving time, which I feel is a little fast. Yeah. Uh, 40 years or something in jail. Oh, and yeah, you yeah. never find out. It really pisses me off. So oh, I, it's a great plot line, but I'm like, yeah, I don't want to wait a year to find out. Like, yeah, me either. Season two, like, it's basically a mid-season finale. I'm like, I need to know in two months. If you yeah. told me two months from now, I'd find out, fine. It's going to yeah. be a year, though, at best, and that, keep it. But the, the character thing is one of my big complaints with the show, because Daniels is so able to get us to just buy, and it's like almost the Patriot way, where there's not a lot of stars. You got Brady, but outside of that, it's supposed to be like everyone does their job. So all these character actors do their job. Mm. And we kind of get lost in that. Whereas, and we we expect these gags. Like you see Stanley Hudson and you're like, oh, what's this sleepy piece of shit going to do? <laughs> you know, like you know what's coming because it's Stanley. Like, oh, it's Dale Gribble. He's going to be paranoid. And these mm-hmm. little, like, I remember an episode where 
they uh, Hank Hill's mom is coming to town with her new boyfriend, and he says his name, and Gribble goes, Kastner, huh? Jewish. And then, like, everyone <laughs> turns to him, like, just waiting for him to say something anti-Semitic because Dale's, like, this paranoid anti-government guy. Yeah. And then, of course, they turn it on his head, and he goes, I have no problem with that in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And what I did not like about Space Force is there's so many big names where you're like, oh, it's Diedrich Bader. I want to see, like, five minutes of Diedrich Bader, but he just plays this bumbling shithead with almost, like, no character development, weirdly enough. And same for, like, Jane Lynch. She has some great lines, but then she's she gone. Does. And then you're like, yeah. well, where the fuck are they doing with Jane Lynch? I want to see more. And, and The Tick, Patrick Warburton. Like, yeah. you see him, and you're like, yeah, I could watch an entire show of this asshole. So I'm sorry, not... I know him as Putty. Putty. <laughs> <laughs> One of my takes on how Netflix funds things is, like, those those Joint Chief of Staff meetings are fantastic. Like, And it really comes down to Steve Carell's friends with all those folks, and it's like, Yo, you're not going to believe what Netflix is going to pay us all to hang out and riff. We don't even really have to have it fully scripted, but we're all making like better than regular network money to hang out with each other. How do you guys feel about that? It did feel that way when they were doing the Chiefs of Staff meeting. I was like, this is, I I could watch this for half an hour. Yeah, make the show's Chiefs of Staff. I'll watch that shit. And they, even though Space Force is there, and they still make fun of the Coast Guard, like it just <laughs> makes me so happy. Yeah, that's so true. So yeah. true. Like, I, yeah, no, like I would love to watch outtakes of that because I'm like, that's fun improv. Like, give me that as an extra. Like, <laughs> so that's yeah. that's my biggest hope for the show, and why I think it could go great places. Uh, again, Daniel style. The whole thing is it's character driven. It's not so much these slapstick gags or just self-contained jokes. It's a lot of relying on knowing the characters. Mm -hmm. And so that can't really happen when you've known them two episodes, three episodes. But come like season two, like The Office really got good season two. King of the Hill, I enjoyed off the bat, but season two was definitely much stronger than one. So hopefully things go in that path. If they don't, just keep it going. What the fuck do I care? I borrow a Netflix password from someone, I'll still watch it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, that's my hope. All right, so I hear you. Again, as somebody like Space Force, I'm listening to your criticism, and it's just, that's kind of how I felt about Fire Saga when you talk about the way that the creative process works at Netflix. It just seems like they... They're telling people, oh, this is not like your normal, normal like film studio or your normal TV network. You have creative license. And there's that part of me that's like, do these like people who have been in that system for so long, do they need the guidance? Because like, that's what I wanted out of Will Ferrell and Fire Saga. Like it's to me, it's not as good as um, Blades of Glory, but mm-hmm. it's in that vein. And I just I want them to be able to do things when they have ultimate freedom where I'm like, that's the best thing you've ever done instead of, like, you guys are, like, Space Force, not as good as The Office. For me, I'm just, like, Fire Saga, not not even close to the best Will Ferrell movie I've seen. It's good, but come on. I can name so many things I'd rather see from him. Well, yeah, okay. So we'll, Oh, me too, 100%. We'll, we'll pivot now to the, the Eurovision story of Fire Saga. And <laughs> agree, I agree with Howard in that Netflix in general, you see a lot of flabbiness in their products. That's, that's the best <laughs> way I can put it. They need to tone up. They're, for whatever reason, I feel the editing in almost all of their original work just is not there. Like, Fire Saga clocks in at something like two hours flat, two minutes. It was long. Yeah, two hours, two minutes. 
And I'm sorry, but for like a farcical comedy or whatever the fuck you want to call it, like that's again, I don't care because I'm watching it in 15 minute breaks and mm. then I'm firing up, you know, uh, Animal Crossing and I'm eating <laughs> and I'm playing with my cat and I'm taking a piss. And then I'm coming back to it. Like, that's just how you watch this stuff. Like, it's on my TV. It's on my phone while I urinate. It's on my iPad. Right. While that's that's true, like, is there not a single Will Will Ferrell movie that you could just queue up and watch, like, 20 times? Not, like, every day. But but just that one that's, like, I could watch this once a month for the rest of my life. You don't have a movie like that from Will Ferrell? The uh, only one, this. the only one I have is probably Anchorman. Yeah, I remember watching Anchorman in the theater with someone, and I thought I was seeing the future of comedy when I watched yeah. it at the time, which was like what oh three oh four or no oh four oh five something for Anchorman. Um, but, that's that's his opus to me. But you guys could like watch that again. Do you regularly? Oh yeah. I actually watch Step Brothers like fairly frequently, at least like three it's four times. Weird a year, you I'd say think. that. So. Uh, for a long time because I didn't want it to just be like eerie silence when I would like shut my door and take care of business. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I would throw on just background movies to cover my tracks. And for whatever reason, I just kept, no. I kept looping Step Brothers no. and uh, the other guys. <laughs> and I would find myself like halfway through just like knocking off the porn and looking up and just watching this movie and kind of like <laughs> putting away my lazy ass dog. Like, <laughs> You're half chub. Yeah. Oh, and like, man. I'll take care of you later. <laughs> I got some comedy to watch. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do want to rub my nuts on my brother's <laughs> drum set. But I was I was taken aback by how much I remember Step Brothers being panned at the time because I think critics just wanted to be like, this is Will Ferrell overload and fuck it. And I I'd somehow forgotten Adam McKay, who's like a very good satirical mind had directed yes. it. I love him. Fuck, I could watch Step Brothers over and over and not just because yeah. of like a weird new Pavlovian thing I've done to myself <laughs> by watching it the way I did. And oh then, like, yeah, I'd jump over to other guys. Also, I think Adam McKay. I could be wrong. That is also rewatchable. I, yeah, both great. I think this movie, like I really think Fire Saga could have been pretty rewatchable if it were like 15, 20, possibly 30 minutes shorter. Because yes. even like Blades of Glory is rewatchable. I just this movie. I, I'm I like, thought it I don't. Was, I thought it was so painful. I can't. I can't. Blades of Glory. Blades of I Glory. Can't. Yeah. Even with Jenna Fisher, like in lingerie and stuff. I. <laughs> I. I thought. I thought that was Dewey Cox. Uh no wow. no she's in lingerie as well for this one I know is we both she? go to the same office subreddit office not safe for work and it's just like yeah, those two sweet. different scenes. Wait, Eva, you like Eurovision better than Blades of Glory? Um, it's a musical, so yeah. Okay, <laughs> so here's my one thing that I'm gonna like ask you about because this is my this is the reason I put those two together. Mm-hmm. It's because it's a two part competition. It's like ice skating, where okay. you have like the short program, long program. Yes, I love Olympic skating. Uh, and the oh, same yeah. thing, Eurovision is just like they make the finals after performing on the first night. So same story structure. Oh, completely. But um, here's the difference. You got Amy Poehler and, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on Will her husband's name. Will Arnett are playing brother and sister. They, they were married at the time. Yes, that's playing true. Playing an incestuous couple as the villains. 
which was like one of the best parts of the movie. Hands down, like they were ridiculous. I remember, and isn't there a movie... line from Will Arnett where they're trying to guilt, uh, who is it, Napoleon Dynamite? Is there sibling? John Hedder. John yeah. Hedder, yeah. I remember when mom and dad were still alive or something like that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know why that. No, they do that to, um, because their sister is, uh, oh, that was it. That was it. They do it to Jenna Fisher. Yes. Yes. She's the sister. They constantly do that to her. Um, but again, like you have three marquee actors, actresses, like at, on the villain side, plus like Jenna Fisher being this like weird temptress slash like good guy. Um, yeah. And in this movie, like once you get past Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, it's just nobody. It's just, there's no villain like Amy Poehler and Will Arnett. I'm just like, where's the rest of the movie here? I, I mean, want... I guess the Russian guy was supposed to be kind of a villain, but he was really... He's a soft villain. He's a soft villain, and the Greek... Was he entertaining? Did you guys enjoy yes. what that character brought to the table? Yeah, yes. I thought it was fairly funny. He's all right. I thought he was funny, and I thought his song was hilarious. Yeah, I, I loved his song. I, yes. I hate to be this guy. Like, I, you know, me 20 years ago probably would have scatted all over this movie. Because it isn't a pure comedy killer, but no. God help me, like Eva said, I really I enjoyed a lot of the songs, and I fucking hate musicals. And also, you know what? I enjoyed the the scenery from Iceland. And oh, they, that was beautiful. I think it's hilarious. They pumped like a mill something into this, and Eurovision pumped a couple of mill into it. Iceland looking to get tourism, and Eurovision looking to get eyeballs on the contest. Well, guess what? There's no tourism and Eurovision got shit canned because of COVID. <laughs> hey, but money in well lieu spent. of in lieu of Eurovision, like this is keeping the spirit alive, man. Because I'll I'll tell you what I did love about this is this is what I, I was just shitting on Netflix a minute ago, but I will give them credit. We all just watched a comedy movie where it's set in Iceland to start. Not even like just Reykjavik, but like small town Iceland yeah. and then it finishes basically in Edinburgh Scotland and that's they got like A-list Hollywood actors to do a movie set in Iceland and Scotland I'm like what yeah when, what studio has ever agreed like oh yeah we want to pay for this right that I, must have been expensive I guess when they filmed Ronan Ronan was De Niro <laughs> all over Europe <laughs> that's true <laughs> But I'm saying, like, they pick two places, and they're, like, they're not exactly where any of us, like, pick in order to go on vacation, right? Like, this is not... I don't know. Like, I would love to go to Edinburgh just because it's, like, a bunch of gingers from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be like, hey, you want to not die violently? Come with me. Come with me. <laughs> live with me in America. Come with me if you want to live. Um, the songs were so much fun. I've like, been... when they were at that party, and they did the the collection of songs or whatever you want to call it um the medley the oh, medley their, thank uh, you that was to, to glee that yeah was... that was Mixed so good no so good so I... good and so... i didn't even know what eurovision i had never heard of eurovision before this movie john had to explain it to me i see uh, and, okay I... and he was like that's where uh, abba came from abba came from yeah all these years it's launched like two <laughs> careers yeah. pretty much abba and celine dion yeah, <laughs> but uh, that scene, I loved it. So uh, I don't think we even really, really revealed what this film was about. Uh, Will Ferrell plays someone that grows up seeing Eurovision. His lifelong goal 
is to win Eurovision. He has a, a friend he's grown up with, Rachel McAdams, who's got a crush on him. You know, everyone thinks they should be a couple. They perform music together. It hasn't gone in that direction yet for them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through some twists of fate, they actually are Iceland's representatives in this contest. Um, getting back to the scene in question that you guys were talking about, uh, there's a party at this, the Russian uh, Eurovision competitor's house, a giant mansion. And we get into this, yeah, like three song medley of like Ray of Light and Waterloo. And I forget what the hell else. But the the big thing is we see all these other Eurovision competitors that have like been winners in the last like 10-ish years or so. <laughs> and I love when you see celebrities from foreign lands and they don't mean a goddamn thing to you. <laughs> Because, like, the camera pans around slowly and we see their face and they have that look of, like, yeah, it's me. And you're like, the fucking guy that sold me my hot dog earlier today means more to me than you. Who the fuck are you? And it just, it makes me feel powerful. Like, the way people lash out at celebs online, you know, it's like, fuck you, Chrissy Teigen. But clearly, like, Chrissy Teigen really does mean something to them to write this tweet yeah but you see I mean, all these people from eurovision they legit mean shit to me like the, the bearded man the bearded oh, yeah, i kind of remember i had looked it up conchita versed i i do remember the bearded man who won a couple years ago and then mm-hmm. the, the huge fat israeli chick who looked like the the uh the fat guy from running man uh, <laughs> Like, I remember I looked up her shit and she did a song called Toy a couple of years ago. And I was like, ah, I saw that on like a Facebook page or two. But yeah, mm-hmm. everyone else, I was like, I have no fucking clue who you are. Like, there's the effeminate little uh, platinum haired, olive skinned guy who's like, oh, he was sick. so cute. <laughs> I'm just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I mean, right. He, he had this air of, look at me. Oh, That's yeah. right. That's right. It's me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, think if you did a satire of, like, American Idol and The Voice. If you got, like, the ten crappiest winners of those shows and did <laughs> yeah. something like that, I wouldn't know any of those people. I probably You're not would. not getting Kelly would, Dude, you wouldn't know the fucking winners of American Idol the past exactly. ten years. Oh, that's true. That's true. The that's... worst ten? Yeah. I mean, like, no, how there's... many can you actually name? How many can you name? I can't. In terms of winners, I can give you two or three. I can maybe give you six or seven people that performed on it total. Yeah, it's been like how many seasons now? It's crazy. I don't know, man. You can easily find Yeah. It, 20 plus. Season maybe? season 2 was when I was back at G Dub. So you're talking 0203. I mean, as far as I know, they have a bearded lady on every year of American Idol. <laughs> yeah. Like this you just don't know. All three judges as well. Yeah, it <laughs> No, I'm with you. I haven't watched that show in forever. I think most people haven't. But that that scene is unintentionally hilarious. So, so good. <laughs> uh, the, the music is great. Like the uh, the Russian guy's Lion of Love song, which is overdubbed mm-hmm. by some opera singer. Fucking yeah. great. Yaya <laughs> Ding Dong, which is a stupid, I mean, genius. So good. Yeah, genius, but simple, dumb song penned by Will Ferrell, and I forget who else. Oh, my gosh. I just want that to win the Oscar, at least be nominated. Yeah. So they For have best to song. perform it. Yeah. Oh I hope Yaya Ding Dong gets performed at the Oscars, like, if we ever have those again. It, it reminded me, I tweeted our friend Josh Bard, it's 2020's Misbehavin', the the very, again, <laughs> stupid but brilliant song from the Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> like, 
I I was playing Yaya Ding Dong nonstop for three, four, five days. Like I could not quit with it. I I know I, I was too. Yeah, the the too. problem is like I was doing it around the two year old. So like my two year old now sings it around the house. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. That's one of the only reasons yeah I'd ever want to have a kid what you just described. <laughs> So you can teach them, yeah. Teach them to sing songs. Just misbehaving in yaya ding dong. <laughs> no other musical understanding. I want them to think that those have been with the human race for six thousand years now, and that's all we've invented. Oh yeah, the preschool's um, gonna love me come fall. Why kid uh, got a cough? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, other than that, I, I, again, I enjoyed it, but if I went to watch it in a theater, I think that'd be a whole other story. Oh, but, no, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have paid to, I mean, I don't, you know what I mean, I wouldn't have paid to go see it in a theater and spent $15 on a ticket and yeah. gotten my popcorn and, and tucked into it. I, I wouldn't have done that. But so, um, you would have done a little tuckage? <laughs> uh, when I mean when I mean tuck into my popcorn, I mean really go to town on it. When I a eat. little tuckarooski, yeah, yeah, no, right. I, I I eat it in like ten minutes. So I guess here's what I gotta ask related to all of this because I mean going back to the casting, um, and it's related to uh, like what I pay to see this. Yeah, I mean like we've got a lot of musical movies that have become become popular. Like we didn't even mention Pierce Brosnan was cast in this as his dad because he was in Mamma Mia. Oh, oh. Okay, I had to put that together. That was the whole like bit in See, the first part where he's, he's watching a, ABBA perform yeah. Eurovision in the seventies, and his dad is Pierce Brosnan. That was the joke. Oh, oh. Shit. Yeah. Huh. So I am short because that went over my head. <laughs> yeah. No. So like that's that's one of the things about uh the casting where it's like Pierce Brosnan was a waste of money in this movie, and then like the other one where oh, see, I I think it was kind of like what Space Force wanted to do, but it worked because his dad just played like an almost silent, bitter asshole that fucked everyone <laughs> in town and probably said I like mean, 10 words collectively. Like, yeah, but when it. you look at it, it was two hours long, like the whole weird bit where spoiler alert, folks, if you actually give a shit about the plot of this movie, which you should, one of the gags is that uh, the couple like McAdams and uh, Farrell yeah. finally hook up by the end, but so do their parents. And it's kind of awkward when, like, people who are dating, suddenly their parents are like, we should date, too. They yeah. insisted on this gag, and it took, I'd say, at least 15 minutes of setup for, like, one one joke about it, essentially. For us to watch the parents fuck, yeah. <laughs> that was and my it's favorite part. On-screen <laughs> penetration. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel Will Ferrell, and, like, that's a funny joke, but the amount of time it took, I don't want to watch this movie again because there's, like, it's two hours. I'm like, that's one joke that should have been cut. Yeah. It's funny. Not like I got fifteen to twenty minutes for setup funny. Yeah. Oh, I've I've already watched it twice. And speaking oh, of yeah. okay. I I love her. Um, she's such she's so good. Yeah. She's so talented. I was about to pass some legislation where all women over forty were put into cannons and then fired against the side of a mountain. But um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I saw her. Oh, sure. I, I bumped it up to forty three. So we still it's got a wait and see game. Yeah, it's, we it's still got one more movie with her. Maybe she'll get it I up have, to forty five next time. We'll see. I have so I have seven years until I'm <laughs> shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Like just Do evil evil Knievel style, American flag helmet, real jazzy <laughs> outfit. Yes. And then you're just <laughs> shot into the side like right below Mount Rushmore, actually. Right. <laughs> if if it's still around in seven years. Yeah, if it's still around. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but I mean, so here's the thing about her. Like, I'm surprised she agreed to do this when they didn't use her voice on songs. Like, Will Ferrell got all of his uh, vocals in, and like they they overdubbed all uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, but she. I, I mean, think, that was I a think harder, supposedly... a harder singing part. Unless you're. Yeah, she really had to hit some notes. Will Ferrell's kind of meant to sound goofy. Yeah, and we all know that he can like carry a tune, but he's not a good singer by any means. You know, he's he's not a chanteuse. Um, but he can carry a tune. He sang on SNL and on a I lot mean, of movies. He's but okay. She, yeah, he, no, I mean, he can carry a tune. He's not good. I bet um, she could carry a tune. Obviously, those parts were written harder, but it's, here's my complaint. It's just like, if this were a notes. studio, yeah. they would have, like, put more work into who are we casting across Will Ferrell. We want to make sure that whoever writes the pop songs make real pop songs that that person could actually put on the radio. Instead um, of, like, this is but, Will Ferrell insisting on producing a pop album, and Netflix was like, oh, yeah, do you. Make your pop album that you wish you had always done, because you're an actor and you wish you were a musician. That's I, what this says. I felt cheated slightly by it, but now I realize how much that soundtrack is actually supposed to matter. And if Rachel McAdams doesn't have, like, the fucking tits in terms of a voice, like, yeah. it wouldn't work. And actually, the young lady that is her, you know, is her voice, is singing for her is a star in Europe. So she's a former be... Eurovision contestant. Yeah, like she's so lost I, several I, years in a row. I know, but she's, you know, done stuff and her name is out there. And I think that this is going to be good for her. So, yeah, no, good for her. I'm just like, it's yeah, her legal it's... name of Rachel McAdams's voice. <laughs> it is super strange to me. I cannot recall another movie where only one of the two actors had their voice replaced by a professional. It's either all or nothing at all, usually. So it's just. It's very clear. I get clearly it, though. Like he's, I mean, Will West Side, a fucking clown, and she. West Side not. Story. Natalie Wood had her voice, um, you know, as a famous opera singer, and I think that the Tony sang, the guy that played Tony. So that's one. Um, oh I wow! A, Look at you, just like uh, dropping musical theater history on. Me. I mean, yeah. I am a musical theater, like huge fan. If they were so. singing in Predator, I could contribute to this conversation. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Natalie Wood was not a singer, and they had someone dub for her. But I believe that Tony she wasn't Wait, a was that, was either. That, recently? that was nineteen. Oh, she's been dead since the seventies. That's yeah. right. That was a long time ago. That was nineteen sixty-one. Yeah, but <laughs> since then we've had Jamie Foxx win an Oscar for that's true. Ray, we've had Anne Hathaway win an Oscar for actually be precisely because of her singing. Uh, there she's, are so, she's, an ama- she's an amazing singer. There are just so many film actors in the 21st century who can do both. So That's true. why on earth would you cast an actress to be overdubbed when... I mean, if you go back to the that... I don't know how you feel about Mamma Mia as a musical theater-like person, but to me... It's fun. They didn't cast film actors who could sing was the biggest problem. It's just like, did we really need people who, like, I've seen in a movie before... Or would mm-hmm. I have preferred you just casting people who could carry a tune? Because Pierce Brosnan cannot. <laughs> I've actually yeah, never he's, seen it. He's, so. he's pretty bad. So I've wait, seen they, distracting they make, how bad he is. They make him. Singing. They make everyone sing, and some of them suck. Or yeah, I, I've okay. I've seen it, but I was still drinking, so I really can't contribute. I think um, Piers Brosnan singing contributed to you drinking more. It's that bad. <laughs> I had an extra, 
I had a really deep bottom after that movie. No, it's it's terrible. I'm trying to think of other music movie musicals like oh Russell Crowe, Russell uh, Crowe, Les yeah. Miserables. Terrible. I'm just like, no, this should have been overdubbed. He sucks at singing. He's so bad. He's so bad. It's that's, painful. That's why I'm just like, I you have to pick. I, I realize that sometimes, all right, I've kind of contradicted myself because like I'm saying you should have overdubbed Russell Crowe, but Rachel McAdams, we should have heard her voice in this movie. It's just, you got to pick, like, if you're going to do a movie about musicals, it seems like everybody wants to hear the actress sing, because, I mean, my experience with the internet is people are haters, <laughs> and so when I started researching for this episode, so many people were like, does Rachel McAdams sing? Because people are pissed. They're just like, oh, she sucks. She didn't sing in Fire Saga. I'm like, this is a stupid comedy movie written by, like, Will Ferrell. Who cares yeah. if she doesn't sing? And apparently it's the internet. That's the answer. <laughs> Well, fuck the internet. I I guess I'll close things on uh, this note. The the woman that played the, the Greek contestant, Melisanthe Mahut, I am uh, fucking in love with her. And Eva hates her nose, and that breaks my she's, heart. She's sexy as hell, but her nose annoys me. Well, what do you want? Greek people have like what looks like a literal ass on the tip of their nose, and it just gets bigger with time. <laughs> it's like it's like a ball. It's a it's ball like a with a split in it. Yeah, there's a there's, there's an actual like, ass crack in it. Well, I, I don't. It's such an easy fix. I know. <laughs> is is she actually Greek though? Because oh, the yeah. Russian yes. guy, yes, the Russian yes. guy is actually Swedish. I was really sad to find that out. I thought he was Spanish. Oh, the Russian is he guy. Swedish? I he's a British actor. I, we're all... He's not Russian. And that's he is racist. Russian. But that is. That's oh, no. super she is she is Greek. I went down yes. a hard Google hole for her. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> not much can yeah, not much while you're watching Step Brothers, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, uh she was the voice. I guess uh they've made like I don't know how many Assassin's Creed games. Yes, yeah, she's, she's I saw that too. Yeah, like there was one set in ancient Greece and they actually got voice actors, Greek voice actors, to play the male and female leads and she's the female lead. And wow. it seems like that's all she's done other than this movie. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like she's really charming. Oh my yeah, gosh. she was I she was fun in the movie and um sexy as hell. And... Oh. Just cool. Yeah. But her butt, her butt nose annoyed me. <laughs> that clicking noise you hear in the background is the sound of me getting a restraining order on her behalf. That's <laughs> gross, y'all. Y'all are crazy. Look, I'm just mailing her some cum. What she wants to do with it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's all her. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I guess we'll end there. All right. Uh, Howard, thanks for coming on, buddy. I, I loved it. Yeah, no, this was... Uh... Thank you, Howard. Ow. Sorry, I dropped my phone. Uh, should we talk a little briefly about 4th of July or no? No. Oh, I talk about America's, like, collapse, right? Keep it pure. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like how defeated you are. Uh... Fair enough. <laughs> uh... I'm just like, meh. Yeah. America. I'm just googling the Melisanti pictures, and yeah, she does have a nice little butt nose. Her butt nose. She butt. She nose. farts out of it. I want to stick. Ew. I want to stick my tongue in her butt nose. In her Gross. fart nose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Eva. Yes. 
Thanks for coming as well. Uh, of course. Guys, any social needs you want to play or plug? Um, at Orchard Eva for me on all all accounts. <laughs> all the accounts. Your chatterbait. Mm-hmm. Your, on my uh, OnlyFans. Yeah, um, your Ashley Madsen. Yep. <laughs> I'm in all of them. So Howard, at Orchard Eva. You doing anything? Uh, I just wanted to point out, I've listened to a few of the episodes you guys have done lately. I really appreciate the work you guys have been doing. It's been hard in the pandemic, so uh, really appreciated the uh, the episode with Mike Sachs. You all did great work. Oh, oh thanks. Thank Damn. Thank you, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's good to hear you guys keeping on, and uh, I'm glad I got to do an episode with y'all. Oh, Thank you, well, Howard. Howard. We're going to replace Mike with you, then. How's that? Thank you. Thank you, Bubba. Michael Johnson, suck a dick. Thank you, Bubba. How about how about once a month? Yeah, let's once keep this fresh, man. I've been doing this for like twelve years now. I, I get tired of you. So. Once, I know. <laughs> once a month, let's do a review. Yeah, I, I feel I, love like, that idea. I feel like this is the scene from Ricky Bobby where they're all in. Is it uh, a Chili's? I forget the restaurant. And Jane Lynch is like, "How about every week?" The same day, same time, we come here, we sit in the same booth, and get the same dish. And then Gary Cole, his dad, just freaks the fuck out. <laughs> no, let's do, let's do a review every once a month. Every month. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to make you guys watch some kid programming, if that's true. So. Uh, I'm right. fine with it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Later. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Ding, dong.